Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and beer will keep us young forever. Right? I'm Mike. <laughs> I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. We're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde, and starting with a beer. So this beer, this is from Torch and Crown. It is a hazy IPA, and I, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but there's like a slight gay vibe of this book so this beer is called rainbows everywhere <laughs> it's the pride month here i'm pretty sure <laughs> that is fucking good that's what a lot of men who left the closet have said <laughs> why wasn't i doing this all the time uh oh oh my god guys it's 6.9 percent alcohol perfect <laughs> that's pretty fucking good yeah i love this this is this is actually hands down the best torch and crown I've ever had. And I've had a bunch of them at this point because they sell them right near me. And they're all pretty good, but this one makes me see rainbows everywhere. But mainly in the actions and sentences of the characters in this book. <laughs> well, the picture of Dorian Gray is Oscar. This is our Patreon poll of the month book for July. July. That's, That's where we are. July. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, by Oscar Wilde. It's his only novel. Our theme this month was One Hit Wonders, and this is his only novel. Uh, it came out in 1890, published in Lippincott's Monthly Magazine. It should be noted that uh, Oscar Wilde, five years later, went to jail for being gay, because that was illegal back then, for two years, and then got out, left town, fucking died. and died of meningitis three years after that. So he had a quick plummet. He wrote a lot of plays and some poems. But many people know this book. Many people who know about plays know his plays, but I couldn't tell you a single one. Yeah, that's, I mean, importance of being earnest is that, as the other, you know, Mm. famous thing. Then there's like um, the uh, Salome. Oh, Salami. (laughs) Salami, because it was. It's a book about a deli. That sounds like. (laughs) It's it's about a big uh, tube shaped meat. (laughs) Uh, And that's all. Like, and then there's like the letter from Reading Jail or something like that. Isn't that another? I feel like Oscar Wilde is more famous than his actual yeah. works are. Oh, you yeah. know, he's just more famous for who he was and for being a notable dandy intellectual <laughs> at the time. And then today, you know, uh, where it is okay to be gay, that he's you know that he was. Gay. And it was the 1880s and the 1890s, and then he went to jail. I mean, that's like he's more famous for that than anything he actually wrote today. Though everyone knows this story, they probably never read it, and they might not even know he wrote it. They know this is a painting. That's all they know. Then the rest of the story, I bet they don't know. It's a recognizable symbol, but even the book, like the story of it, the heavy, heavy-handed allegory of it, I no. don't think the average person knows they're just like oh it's that one where the guy didn't get old but his yeah. picture did and, and they move on but we're gonna dispel all of that confusion for you today we read it so then you don't have to and you can tell people you did yeah because reading <laughs> is gay episode's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be 15 minutes long so okay <laughs> so there there kind of there's kind of a lot of plot but there's also like not all that much plot the main thing is that the main character, whose name is Dorian Gray, is 
the most beautiful man. He is a hot boy. He's like a kid. He's like 17 at the beginning, isn't he? He's young. He says, it's a year before I come of age. I thought, oh, I thought it was 20, but oh. I kind of didn't. Oh, well, either I, way, I, I he's, he's young. He's young, and he's just so attractive to the other men. Uh, not just them, but also to everybody. But, so he's just very good looking, and the f- sort of first scene opens with Dorian Gray having his portrait painted by a famous, maybe, I, I mean, obviously fictional, but, you know, famous portrait artist named Basil Hallward. Hallward? Yeah, Basil Hallward. Sure. And he's having his portrait painted. Well, Dorian's in, not there the, at the very beginning. You're right, because because the portrait artist is talking to Lord Henry, who is also quite interested in Dorian. <laughs> After his wife has left him, mm-hmm. don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, just saying this, and the portrait painter is saying, this is my most, this is my masterpiece. Uh, it's bec- partly because Dorian Gray is just so striking, so so good looking, but also this is my best work ever. And so a lot of it, and, and he says like, oh, well, you know, beauty is a kind of genius in itself. And that's going to be an important thing where Dorian is just so amazing looking. And so, all right, I'm going to open my drink. Because would you say Dorian Gray has a, a sun body? <laughs> no, is, would you say he's a sun boy? Sure. Oh, he's some, he's is, sun boy, all right. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a sun and a boy at the same time. It's amazing. So this is sun boy, a spiked sparkling coconut water. This is the pineapple one, and it is 5% alcohol. I've been, I've been looking forward to trying this because it's, it's... Would you say you've been curious about it? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, coconut, well, certainly pineapple, buy curious because he bought it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was purchase or buy curious. <laughs> B-U-Y curious, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> anyway, I just saw it. Uh, at the store, and it's coconut, pineapple, and alcohol. So I said, where do I sign up? I guess I'll just have to uh, try this. All right. This is good. This is really good. Oh, man. Mm. You just you just opened up the door to alcoholism right here. We just saw <laughs> effortless alcoholic coconut water. I really only had, like, the coconut water you see in the store. I've only really had that, like, once. Mm. Maybe twice, because it really just doesn't taste like much. Yeah. It's kind of like I wanted some coconut in my water, <laughs> and this is just kind of like so mild. It's like it's like a coconut farted in the same room <laughs> as this water. It's pretty accurate. That's it. That's all. The, that's, that's my impression of coconut water, yeah. but this actually does taste like coconut and pineapple at the same time. It does say... Um, a pina colada? For, it does say contains alcohol and 48% juice. Maybe that's the pineapple, but... It's got to be. Yeah, pina colada is coconut, coconut, pineapple, and alcohol. So this is basically the coconut water version of a pina colada. And you know what? It is good. <laughs> it is really good. There you go. And it is 5% alcohol. So, so you can drink you know, a thousand. A co- coconut water is good at uh, uh, when you have a hangover. So you can just keep drinking these forever is what you're... What, it's um, like a scientific perpetual here. motion machine. <laughs> yes. It's like the alcohol and the coconut water cancels, cancels each other out. Yes, yes. Try it, Nate. We'll watch. We've got three more in the fridge. <laughs> Before you get too drunk, though, Nate, who brought us this fine beverage? So, because this is our 
this is our Patreon picked episode of the month. We, it is time to now um, <laughs> read the call. Shout out the names of these. Well, we should say Patreon. We should say if you want to support the podcast, you could head over to Patreon.com/slash/DrunkGuysBookClub, where you could give real monies in exchange for all sorts of things like voting in the book poll that picked this episode, getting early access to episodes, exclusive content, physical goods. But for right now, the most important thing is getting shouted out on this episode. These are their given names, by the way. These okay. are real people. So I have tax. I have intentionally not looked at these until right I'm now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. <laughs> Literally, okay. Uh, I was planning on doing the normal ones first, but I think that's not even just intersperse them. Things <laughs> just go down the line. Just go down, straight down. <laughs> okay, so first one is Nate's loose asshole, <laughs> which I think Nate's loose asshole, I think is what that's trying to say. That's number one. Thanks for the $10. <laughs> Jennifer, Auntie Vax. <laughs> and then one, this is the whole name. <laughs> This isn't a joke name. I, Nate, get sexually aroused by fatal car accidents. I was honestly what it surprised says. You I read just that read one. it. I just read it. Okay. Eaton Beaver. Okay. Uh, Barry, Julian. I think those are normal. Lame. Sal Idtosser. Brent. Doug, Russell, Tyler, Grace, <laughs> Catherine, Colton. Uh, okay, hold on. <laughs> oh, okay, this is... Uh, <laughs> Holden Ewingox? I think it's pronounced Young. <laughs> Holden Youngox, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, mm-hmm. great, okay. Uh, L-Dog, Steven, Nick. Uh... <laughs> Barry McCulkinair. Uh try a little uh, faster. Barry McCulkinair. I think it's more like a like a New England thing. It's like a cock. Cock. Barry McCockinair. <laughs> sure we'll take that. Close enough. <laughs> sure. These are actually hard to do. These are if you never see if you're just cold reading them. These are difficult. Takes a second. Okay. The, Joe. Thank you, Crab, Barry McCockinair. Daniel. Barry McCockinair. Okay, I see. <laughs> I see it now. Okay. Uh, Joe, Crab, Michael, Daniel, Amir, Hayden, Mariano, Emotional Support Burrito, and CL. <laughs> that is the OG patron. Thank you, CL, and everyone Whew. else, of course. Thank you, guys. It's a beautiful thing. That was the best part of the episode. And for those of you who changed your names this month, fuck you. <laughs> we, I think we discussed, I don't know, do, do, do we want to make Nate keep saying it? Or we can, we we can rotate? rotate. We can rotate. I think we should rotate it. So next month, I'll, I'll go first. I love seeing the pain in his eyes, though. <laughs> when he has to say, Nate's, Nate's I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> he figured that one out fast. Uh, and so then next he thanked month, them for their money. <laughs> <laughs> well, they weren't oh. tight-fisted. Um, if you, <laughs> next month, if you want to, you can become a patron. And if you want to change your name to something absurd... We will. I'll be saying it, uh, and I will promise not to look ahead of time. And it'll be just it'll do be it glorious. before the f- end of the first week of the month, because that's when we record these. 
Yeah, I'll send a message to the patrons, but it's a lot of fun for everyone but Nate. Is it? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is. As one, one page says he gets his money's worth every month <laughs> just from that. <laughs> I'm surprised he read one about car oh, accidents out loud. I that thought was, you'd refuse. <laughs> that was on another level. <laughs> I, was, I was quoting, do not take me out of context. <laughs> Isn't that a J.G. Ballard book? Isn't that I, You know, crash? I thought it was. It was. It is a J.G. Ballard book. Anyway, back to Dorian Gray, a much less interesting name. Yeah. So, the, so they're painting this shit, to. and then this hot boy comes in, because we just we barely started the book. <laughs> sun and boy. The sun boy, yeah. And then uh, Henry's like, wow, take a look at that hot boy. And then Basil, or Basil, I don't know, whatever stupid way. British oregano. Oregano. Ore- oregano the painter. Some says. sage. <laughs> so he comes in and Basil's like, this is the guy. Uh, and Henry's like, I want to talk to him. I was like, please don't talk to him. You're such a dick. You're going to fuck him up. He's like, no, I'm not. Literally, though, yes. But so it is, it's important to know that Oscar Wilde was what was called a, a dandy. At the time, was a a thing. It was like a you know fancy dressed guys, and he was a student of this philosophy called aesthetics, which was the belief that beauty is all that matters. Fuck everything. Who gives a shit? It was the rich people's philosophy, and also Henry Wadden is basically Oscar Wilde in this book, just being a pompous, sarcastic, shallow douchebag, and trying to hit on boys. Who are we to judge? No. I mean, he's, he had a great time. A dandy time. <laughs> a gay old time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bloodstones. <laughs> Ever tell a story about the clothing store by where me and Nate used to work called Dandy? No. Which was a men's clothing store. And when I pictured Dandy, I pictured Oscar Wilde. Yeah. I mean, he, he is kind of the one you think of when you hear that word. But what it actually was, picture more player's ball. Okay. And it was the place you'd go to get, like, lime green suits. So I bought a lot of clothes there um, because <laughs> the nice thing, not that I wear lime green suits, but people who shop at the Players Bowl store, Big and are tall. Not, they're not petite men. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, this is Finally my a store size. for me. <laughs> this suit is just my size. Too bad it's lime green. I would wear a lime I'd green suit anyway. any time, but people would just think I was asking them really, really hard riddles. <laughs> <laughs> Riddle me this. The X, the X, XL Riddler. <laughs> They're all word I problems. To, I don't have time for this. <laughs> There's no scrap paper. <laughs> I was really disappointed when that store closed. I can't believe it did. I can't believe there wasn't a big draw for that in downtown Brooklyn. <laughs> The main part of the main premise of the story, which I'm sure you've heard about, is that the this picture that um, there's this painting of Dorian Gray that he's so it's a, the, the artist's masterwork, and then Dorian somehow manages to make a deal with the devil to make it so that all the bad things so the that Dorian does. Older. And he will never. So it's not just that the painting will get older, but it's also like the sins of his soul. Well, that's really what all he, of the he wishes for youth, because Lord Henry is like, isn't it a shame that youth and beauty will fade, and you're only getting uglier by the day? Time for cucumber sandwiches, <laughs> and then 
And then Dorian Gray, because this is all he has, he's a vapid asshole, goes like, oh, that sucks. And then he like makes offers up his soul to whoever's listening. In this case, because L. Ron Hubbard hadn't been born yet, it's the devil. <laughs> and <laughs> and, it, and the deal will be the painting will age instead of him. But then this already pretty over-the-top hit-you-in-the-face-with-a-hammer allegory takes another step further and the painting specifically ages based on the sinful activity of Dorian Gray. Like that's that's where we get to see it throughout the narrative. Is that right? That, am I yeah, saying that right. And that's kind of like the main thing. And and you don't you don't know exactly that this is happening at first. So the the I want to say the first half of the novel is set up for the actual novel, which was kind of annoying, but. So you sort of Dorian Gray kind of like says this thing, but then sort of the next chapter and the next like, I mean, it's not a long book, but the next chunk of the book is where Dorian says, it's like a month later and he says to Lord Henry, I'm engaged to be married. And Lord Henry is like, what? What are you talking about? It's like, and he's like, tells a story about how he was just walking around London one night in the rougher part of London. And it's like, oh, there's a theater. Let me go in and see theater. What's, what's playing. Oh, they're doing Shakespeare. But and he, also, we have to engage in some really casual anti-Semitism. Uh, it's not casual <laughs> yeah, at all. It is, is pretty extreme. And it just well, gets they more weren't getting every paid time. for it, so it's not professional. <laughs> they're like semi-pro <laughs> anti-Semites. It's not even important. It doesn't even all, add no. anything to the book. It's just kind of like, let me just describe... This person. Well, I, I heard a thing. Um, I think it was Steven Pinker who said that you could. Oh, no. It was. Um, no, not Steven Pinker. It was. Uh, who, who's, who's the atheist guy? The British one. Uh, Dawkins. Dawkins. Hitchens. Thank you. Dawkins. Who said that you could tell the decade a book came out by the way they describe black and Jewish people. <laughs> like, that is probably based true. Based on how. What they, what they focus on. Like you can get pretty the, damn At close. least what quarter century. Well, this book holds that up pretty nicely shows its age <laughs> definitely shows its age in this in this throwaway line that like doesn't even matter but yet it's there anyway so dorian gray sees so goes to this just to see the play because he feels like it and immediately falls in love with the 17 year old girl playing playing juliet in romeo and juliet he's like oh she's so amazing and of course dorian gray is also beautiful so it doesn't take long for her to be in love with him. And then, so uh, it's like literally this, the plot jumps jumps a month. And Dorian says, I'm engaged to be married to this girl. Her name is Sybil Vane, and she's a beautiful actress. What a unrelated last name to this book where they're focused on the physical aspects of people. Definitely not foreshadowing. Because <laughs> she gets it's spelled like the weather vane. And she's like, I think it's raining constantly. <laughs> it's really annoying. <laughs> so it breaks off with her. The wind is that direction. <laughs> so I'm she just more interested in which the, way the wind is blowing. Can you show me where the cock is on that weather vane? <laughs> so Dorian tells his friend, Lord Henry, like, oh, I'm engaged to be married. You should come meet her. You should come see her performance. So they go to the performance. And she's terrible. She's so bad. 
And Lord Henry is like, that was so bad. I'm leaving an intermission. <laughs> and, He's a catty bitch. Uh, <laughs> I paid Dorian, my pence. <laughs> and Dorian is like, yes. Uh, okay, she's. this is not a, just not a good night for her. Uh, and then Dorian watches the performance. And then after the performance, he's like, sweetheart, why were you so fucking bad tonight? <laughs> and she says the dumbest thing, which is like, oh, well, I couldn't act anymore because my love for you is so strong. And that's where my passion is right now or something like that. She, she said that it was basically when she was just an actress, you know, before she met him, she was unhappy and bored and miserable. And the acting was what she looked forward to being these other women that had these exciting, incredible lives. And that's what she really felt that. But now that she loved Dorian, she was happy being herself and was no longer had any interest in pretending to be anyone else. So she had lost her interest in acting at all. And Dorian was like, well, you suck now. It's cool that you're hot, but you suck now. And beauty is all that matters to me. So fuck you, I'm out. So he dumps her right there. And then the next day, Dorian tries to like change his mind and he tries to send her a letter. But oh, too late because she killed herself. Well, because he only he only feels bad when he sees his painting, right? And he's like, the painting now has a dick face on it, which that sounds wrong. It has like a, it's like sneering. It's like meh. Because it's now adopted the shitty sin of whatever <laughs> he did there, being a being a douchebag. But he's still looking. He's still looking fresh. He's still looking fresh to death. He's like the fresh prince. This is called the fresh pitch. This is fresh pitch of fresh pitch, as in you know baseball, or in in uh, in uh, beer making. Pitching is when you throw the yeast into the the uh. wort. This is called fresh pitch of Berlin. <laughs> Can't show you. Uh, <laughs> which is a 7.2% alcohol IPA from Oak, Burley Oak Brewing Company in Maryland. And that is that is fantastic. Goddamn, that's really good. Super juicy, hazy kind of IPA. Had a bunch of IPAs from theirs, from there, from them, from from they. From whence? I can't even speak. I don't fucking yeah. Whence? <laughs> whence the IPAs came? That's like the where and when at the same time, right? Whence is. It's like a time thing, isn't it? I have no fucking idea. Well, wherever the fuck it came from, it was from there, from the from the old the old line state. Which, by the way, everything there was just crab. It should really be just the old bay state because everything <laughs> is just <laughs> fucking crab. <laughs> uh, it's a great, great IPA. Uh, really good. And seven point two percent. I could drink a hundred of these today and only feel mildly terrible tomorrow, uh, which is normal now that I'm in my thirties. That's just yeah. how the day goes. Nate, remember when you were that young? <laughs> Nate never drank this much, except when he hung out with us. <laughs> uh, no, but this is a this is a fine IPA, and uh, yeah, I I don't know this. There's no story on here. It just they spent way more time adopting the art style of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> um, so I don't know what like type. I hope it has like Rubiero hops or something, or Carlton hops, but. Uh, <laughs> Dorian Gray, as we've said earlier, he's still looking fresh, but his painting now looks like an old dickhead because it has sort of like absorbed all of his shittiness or or displays his shittiness. He's also locked it away in the attic where no one can see it 
even though everyone wants to see it, because like I want to see Basil's painting, and they're like, I can't. It's it's so it's not here. He says it got like who wants a cucumber sandwich? He said it got he like he tells everyone it got lost in some things, so they would stop asking about it. But he keeps it like locked away in a in the tower, so we can look at it and see what a dick bag he is on the inside, and be like, good thing I'm still hot. Uh, and so that's what he does. In this way, he's very much ahead of the curve for you know Instagram. Yes. <laughs> Henry is over there and he's like, hey, you're, that lady killed herself. But that's cool that she killed herself in such an artistic way. Art is great that way, isn't it? And Basil and... Uh, he, like <laughs> Lord Henry, who is like... The biggest dick in the world. Just so, just callous. He's the almost a sociopath. Come, comes to mind. Where he's like, oh, and he says something like, I wish that had happened to me when I was young. That would be so artistic. And it's just like, a fucking girl killed herself. And he's like, oh, how romantic. He's, like, he's it, obsessed with experience and beauty at the expense of all things. And then Dorian realizes, oh, actually, I don't give a shit that she killed herself. Let's go to the opera. So they do. And then the plot jumps 18 years. Just like, boink. Yeah. 18 years forward, where it sort of has like a couple of paragraphs about how Dorian just living living the high life, going to all the all the best operas and seeing all the best performances and throwing the best dinner parties with all the best guests and but also people are noticing that he's kind of weird and some people are don't want to be in the same room as him because they've seen him doing shady shit and no one wants to say anything because uh, this is about Victorian people. We'll discuss that at the end, I guess. But a lot of people don't like him. And he's got a bad reputation. But Henry still likes him because he's a sociopath. And Dorian is still beautiful. Yeah, still got it. And that's the whole aesthetic thing. <laughs> yeah. So they jump the ages and uh, Basil comes over. And he's like, hey, you know, it's been a while now. And I've noticed that all your, because he, you know, uh, Dorian has a series of friends. Yeah. It's like, first, that is my best painting. Can I just see it one more time? Look but at also, it. people are saying the most awful things about you, Dorian. People have the most awful rumors. All of your ex-friends are either killing themselves or like leaving town or some weird stuff because their reputations are sullied. And this is definitely not autobiographical. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Zero percent. So then he's like, you want to see the fucking painting? I'll show you the painting. And he brings him upstairs and he's like, you wrecked my painting? He's like, no, that's the painting. It's magic. And he's like, that's weird, man. And then he stabs him in the back of the head with a knife. Yeah, so Dorian murders Basil. And then Dorian the next day gets some, some guy. One of his a, previous who, Who's a toys. scientist. Yeah, uh, who is a, a scientist to get, help him get rid of the body, Breaking Bad style, yeah. by dissolving the body in acid. <laughs> he blackmails him. He says, if you don't destroy this body for me, I'm going to do some stuff. I will send stuff. this letter. And they don't say what the letter is, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can guess what's in the letter. It's pictures of his butthole. Daguerreotypes <laughs> of his butthole. Uh, uh, Woodblock <laughs> etchings. <laughs> Emphasis on the wood part of that, though. Copper plate. <laughs> Copper plate etchings. Copper plate rubbings. 
Oh, there's some rubbing. You're rubbing it? <laughs> so then the guy's like, I got rid of the body. Don't ever call me again, you bitch. And then he leaves. So Dorian is like, man, I just killed a guy and I got away with it. I feel fucking great. Let's go just smoke a bunch of opium. And he can do whatever he wants now because he's been being evil for 20 years and it's fun. And there's another guy at the Open Den who we didn't mention before because he was just a throwaway character, but you saw he was coming back. Sybil's uh, brother, the the seaman, is back from uh, Australia. (laughs) Don't like having that seaman down under you. Yeah, that's what he goes to the Opium Den for. Hop, skip, and a hump away. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he he hears someone call uh, Dorian Prince Charming, which is what... Sybil used to call her man, who she never told him the name of. And he's like, that must be the guy that got my sister to kill herself 18 years ago. And so he goes after him, and he pulls a gun on him. He's like, I'm going to fucking kill you for doing that to my sister. And he's like, who are you talking about? He's like, my sister Sybil. He's like, when did this happen? He said, 18 years ago. He's like, look at me. I'm too young and hot to have done that 18 years ago. And the guy's like, shit, he is young and hot. Must not be him. I'll let him go. My bad, dude. Sorry. It's a pretty good plan. (laughs) He's far too beautiful to have done this. Could I see your ID? (laughs) Show me your papers. How old are you really? (laughs) So he goes back to the drug den and uh, everybody's like, did you get him? He's like, no, that that was, he was too young. I was like, are you kidding me? He's just really young and hot. He's always been young and hot. That was him. And he's like, damn you kids. And uh, (laughs) then he's like, I'm going to go find him and I'm going to kill him. And that, and then Dorian is super nervous because he knows this guy is going to find him, and so he's on edge for a little while. But luckily, the opium is not helping. Probably the opium is not helping. But then he goes hunting with some friends, and his hunting his hunting friends are all like rich guys who uh, you know hire poor people to like hit the bushes with sticks so ducks fly out of them, and they <laughs> shoot the ducks. But unluckily. For the rich guy, but lucky for Dorian, uh, one of the rich guys, Dick Cheney's one of the beaters. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, that poor person got in the way of my bullets. He should apologize. Like, he's dead. It's <laughs> like, oh, well, at least it was a poor. And then they all just leave, and no one gives a shit. But eventually, they find out, Dorian finds out that, oh, it wasn't a beater. It was some rando. He looked like a seaman. He had tattoos all over him. And he's like, seaman? And he runs for it. And he sees, ah, it's the brother. (laughs) Luckily, this guy's not going to kill me anymore. It's great to be rich. Definitely. (laughs) Being rich in the Victorian era? He just killed that guy, and no one did a single fucking thing about it. They they probably gave his family a a shilling. (laughs) For your loss and your troubles, this will pay pay for the funeral and your mortgage and the burial and the <laughs> education of his children. And they flipped like two coins at them. Like, good luck. They just left away uh, prancing. Come now, Jeffrey. So after this happens, Dorian decides that he doesn't want to be an asshole anymore. At least a little bit. He decides like, maybe I shouldn't just corrupt absolutely everyone around me. Uh, he wants to actually try to be a nice guy. Because he feels bad, and there is one girl who's, uh, you know, who he's dating. Now, what, they didn't that dating was the term at the time, but but she's a she's a duchess, 
she's a, she's a, uh, you know, um, a noble of some sort. Don't remember what it was. Then he decides to, instead of corrupting her, which means sleeping with her before she was married, mm-hmm. decides to actually just break it off with her so that he, so he doesn't have to be bad. Well, no, no. She was a local girl in She's like town. an innkeeper's daughter. Yeah. And he was going to like bang her because she was just a poor. And she's like, I'm going to marry a lord. It's like, I'm going to bang her and leave. And she's like, maybe I'll just won't. But wasn't there, okay, wasn't there also a duchess? There was, there's some other rich people there that they're like friends with. But the one he was going, the oh, one okay, he sets right. free from his corruption is a local girl. Oh, okay. It doesn't matter too much, but there, her name was Hetty, Hetty Merton. So I guess that's too ethnic. I'm not sure for Henrietta. Exactly, too ethnic. <laughs> so she, um, so he decides because he's gonna try and be a nice guy that he's gonna go to the painting and say, "Hey, fuck you, painting! I'm gonna be a nice guy now. You know what? I've got this knife. I'm gonna stab you, painting." But Instead of stabbing the painting, he actually stabs himself. And the next scene is like the servants are concerned about the lo- about you know Mister Dorian. Oh, and suddenly a old old person. There's a, a son, there's an old person dead in his study. How strange! Next to the painting, and then they realize because of the rings he was wearing, that must be Mister Dorian. So Dorian, in fact, tries to kill the painting to break the curse or the spell or whatever it's called. But instead, he kills himself. The end. He gets very quick onset progeria and dies. (laughs) (laughs) There's a quick reverse Benjamin Button. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All at once. Pretty intense. Wait, reverse Benjamin Button is 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 aging. It's just, it's just aging normally. <laughs> it, it's aging the right way. So yeah, like he that's gets that. that's what he gets. That doesn't. That doesn't. Yeah. Anyway, so he but he becomes old in a moment's time and then dies at the at the ancient age of thirty six. Yeah, but he looked like shit. But looks like an old man probably because of all that opium. That can't help. And all that, you know, killing. He's been living hard. So, yeah, so that's how it ends. And, um, you know, one of the most famous sort of symbols uh, in literature that people people know this often. You know, the picture of Dorian Gray, they know what that, they know the gist of it. But what, what do you think of the book? I liked it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> uh, I liked it because... It's a very self-aware book. This book is very meta. It's almost like a position paper with characters because mm. Oscar Wilde was he wrote this book as a basically like a an outlet for his philosophy of well, he has this very very direct preface which was he says a bunch of shit he's like this is why I wrote this book deal with it. It says, you know, the artist is the creator of beautiful things, and also, all art is quite useless. Art should exist only for beauty. And he says, because also, he, this was also kind of a book, it was kind of like a big fuck you to Victorian times and Victorian people, who was certainly giving Oscar a lot of shit back in the day, but also because he thought they were full of shit, and they were. Victorian times were all about proper manners and you know, good morals. Victorian London was one of the most 
class conscious societies ever. Oh yeah. He wasn't he wasn't born into royalty or nobility, but um he definitely was part of that. He was still a gentleman and circulated in that social group in London at that time, at least I have to imagine. His parents were like educated folk. So he was definitely better than the average person, but I, I don't know enough of the details. He he was he was on the upper echelons, definitely. But he also, to a lot of them, was an outsider because he was Irish at a time when British people, you know, they still do, but thought of Irish people as people that, you know, were too stupid to rule themselves. And they were just these, like, you know, subhuman that's true, idiots. Jimmy. <laughs> well, that's why they had the revolution, and look how that went. They couldn't even eat potatoes. Those buffoons. <laughs> they ran out. But, uh, I mean, this book was very much... There was also a big point of his, and it says it in the book, art or a book can't be immoral. Because this is at a time when art and music and plays and books were... I think they were censored to a certain degree. Not censored, but like, you know, effectively censored by the public where if they felt it was immoral, they wouldn't allow people to read it. Not necessarily well, censored by the government, which which probably happened too, but they were censored by what was considered polite manners, yeah, yeah. what was considered acceptable by the incredibly inbred upper class. <laughs> <laughs> of the lower jaw protruding douchebags of England. But he also, this is the time of just decadence in art in a variety of places. And he is trying to push that, which is in direct contraposition to the Victorian stuff you guys are describing. So he's not alone in this endeavor, but no. it is. He, he, he often gets, he becomes the face of it. Well, he writes this book because he says, I don't know if it's because of this, but he writes these things in response to the you know, public or peer pressuring books and works out of the thing. He says, a book can't be immoral. Art can't be immoral. It's either good or bad. It's either a book is either well written or poorly written. You shouldn't be influenced in your morals by art. And the Victorians were like, that's gay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Put on more clothes. But he you know, he wrote um Salome. I just happen to know he wrote that as a play. Uh, because I studied in music school when I was busy trying to get a degree that wouldn't make any money for me. <laughs> and this is, before, this is before I went into podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, that, it's like the story of... Uh, uh, Salome is like the daughter of like King Herod or somebody and requesting the head of John the Baptist. And that's how the play ends. Is she just like sexually dances with his head and like a very sexual thing. Like this is... Over the With top. severed head? Yeah. Ooh. Which is like over the top, you know. It's quite quite risque for, you know, the 1880s or 1890s. I mean, the show was banned in England, I'm sure, instantly. But it was an, uh, there was an opera made of it by uh, Strauss. But it was, you know, pretty wild and crazy shit. Wild with an E. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to do that a little more low-key, but for this guy, there was nothing that was low-key. Um, no. no. He did not do low-key. No, so he just, you know, his whole thing would seem to be like pushing, sh- like shoving the envelope was kind of his thing often. It was a provocateur. And it, and it, but it seemed to be all in this 
in this lens or angle or whatever of promoting his this philosophy of aesthetics aesthetics that aestheticism that beauty and art is all that matters and nothing else goes along with it which is interesting because it is indirect opposite of the victorian mentality of like propriety or at least that's what we get today i don't know i'm not an expert on this time to know if that's really true, if that's caricature of it. Well, I mean, Victorian times, from what I understand, was it was all about propriety and manners and things. But it largely wasn't because they thought that it was the right thing to do. It was about looking like you were better than other people. Like, I am the best showing Victorian. your superiority. Or better than you were. Right? Or it was, it's about being... It was about it was like a superficial goodness. Like I think manners are good because it's good for civilization. Like, no, I think manners are good because it makes me look like I'm better than my friends who are all equally superficial. And it was a very much like an it's like hipsters. It's kind of like hipsters, but with more of a moral thing. Where it's like you have to be the best hipster. Like they had to be the most proper Victorian to out Victorian other people. I mean, there were some that definitely were like stick up their ass, like prudes, but a lot of it was just society, highbrow people like trying to, you know, show off and outdo each other because it was trendy. I guess, yeah. Some things never change. Yeah. Oh, no, nothing ever changes. So obviously we could, we could do more research into the sociological things of this time period, but the main argument of the story is what? <laughs> What, what is he trying to persuade us to think? Well, he, about I, I'm not sure he's trying to persuade or, anyone. It doesn't. It feel rather heavy-handed to not be persuasive, hundred percent, or not heavy-handed. attempt to be persuasive. He might just trying to be knowing him. He was just being a dick. Well, he might not have been trying to convince anyone. He was definitely saying like, "This is stupid. <laughs> Fuck you all for doing it." <laughs> I don't know if he was trying to bring anybody around to his way of thinking because I don't think he cared. Because caring would be uncool. He's kind of got to be like above it. Like, oh, look at all these fucking idiots. Uh, I'm too good for this. <sighs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know that Maybe. much about him, but I get the sense that he's either just being a dick, which is fair because those people did suck. And they fucking put him in jail for being gay. At, a to- at this time, that was, a, it was kind of a ballsy, for lack of a better word, <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> to be like, this book is if you don't get the gay vibe from it, you're like, you're not reading the book. It's, it's not even subtext. It's dom text. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think uh, I'm sure some people got it. But also, not necessarily everybody. Uh, people now probably got it. Maybe yeah, people now, back then, like, it wouldn't even occur definitely. to them. Like, that was a thing. I'm sure it wasn't it wasn't impenetrable. <laughs> you could you could penetrate the homoerotic facade of the book. You know what? I read about this somewhere. I forget what. I think I think it was in the intro uh, to the version I had. This book, Victorians hated it, but no not because it was gay, but because they felt that Dorian Gray got away with it that he didn't suffer enough for what he had done. He just died at the end. He didn't suffer. His punishment of just dying suddenly at the end wasn't, wasn't enough. Yeah, he had to that suffer for all the evil he'd done. That would be 
the right thing to do, but he got away it's with almost he got off puritanical. Light. They didn't like that. That's what they didn't like. Man, I do get a hedonist vibe from the book. Oh, so yeah, absolutely. That is. So you think they didn't like that either? But but is the message of the book that that is a good thing? I'm not sure what the message. is. I don't is. think it is. That's not like the. That's not like the message of the book. I mean, that's what. That's what. Dorian Gray does. Wilde believed. I re- I read a lot in the intro. Like Wilde believed that art and ethics should not be in the same thing. Like art is either beautiful or not beautiful. It shouldn't have. But ethics it's not about be a part the moral message it's not. because Victorians believed that art should inspire civilization and propriety and like like look at this art it makes us want to be better and like show us the right way to do things and wild said it's either a good book or a bad book it has nothing to do with good or evil like is it well written is it about bad people doesn't matter well written is all that matters so he might have just been he was definitely just being a dick i don't know if he was pushing anything he might have been you know just you know subconsciously because the very active doing this in Victorian times was in certain ways an act of protest, but maybe a tongue in cheek or something else in his cheek. <laughs> One of my favorite Oscar Wilde quotes, because he was very witty and had a lot of great lines was morality like art means drawing a line somewhere. And uh, <laughs> he's right. <laughs> great line. It's like a fucking Stephen Wright joke. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he was a hilarious guy. He was probably fucking exhausting. I have heard that in his actual trial, where he was put on trial for being gay, that he, like the the jury, that he made the jury laugh. (laughs) In his own testimony, he had the jury like in stitches, still found him guilty. And he was still sentenced to... Straight men wouldn't make me laugh that much. Yeah, exactly. He's far too catty for a guy who's into puss. They made a movie out of him, played by Stephen Fry, which is probably the I've best casting it. I've ever heard. Stephen Fry is a huge Oscar Wilde fan. When I saw him, I was like, he kind of looks a little bit like Stephen Fry, too. He does. He's a big, he's a big doughy-faced guy <laughs> from England, from that, those couple of rocks over there. But Stephen Fry is, Stephen Fry is a, a huge Oscar Wilde fan. So I'm, I, I've seen, I know he made and that Stephen movie. Stephen Fry is also gay, we should say. He is. People didn't know. And also very, you know, witty and funny. And I am sure. He's our heavily, Oscar Wilde. I'm sure he would say, and he's written several volumes of autobiography. I'm sure he'd said in there Stephen somewhere. Stephen Fry has written several that, volumes of autobiography? Oh, yeah. Oh. He's written a bunch of things. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he would say that, that he is heavily influenced by Oscar Wilde. He loved like the importance of being earnest is like one of those things where he like he like memorized every word to it. You know, he just loves loves that. I haven't seen or read any of the plays. I I don't don't know anything about them. Uh, um, So, who should read this book? Well, it's one of the classics of the nineteenth century. So, if you're into reading of, and not that many things were published or not nearly as many things were published in the 19th century, you know, in any particular year as there are today. So this is what my point is. You could read every book that came out if you lived at this time. If you lived at this time, you could actually read everything. And so this was... Well, there's no YouTube. So this became famous, and it is a well-known thing, although I had actually never read it. I've heard of, heard of it, never read it until this week, but... I don't know if you're if you want to read 
a classic. It's fine. It's not very long, and it's okay. It's short. It's fine. It's famous, and it's one of those things that if you're uh, you know if if you're the kind of person that goes to the kind of parties that don't exist anymore, where it's like a cocktail party, like that's always like the thing. I feel like I was told, like, oh yeah, some you know how to read books so you can talk to fancy people. Yeah, I've talked to people at a cocktail party. Like, as if I mean, we talk about books all the time, but like, it's I've never been to a cocktail party. It's usually at a dive bar, but <laughs> if we don't, you know, you may find yourself talking to people about books. And if you're in that rarefied atmosphere where you need to show off your knowledge of Victorian, you know, transgressive novels, read it. But honestly, if you know the gist, you don't need to read it. The the person who wrote the introduction to the one I had was like a PhD in Catholic conversions in the end of the century. Because that was like a big oh. thing, apparently. And that's was something that Doreen, uh, that Oscar Wilde did, like converted right before he died. But they did their PhD to Catholicism or to from Catholicism. We'll, we'll get you. We'll get you somewhere. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I like this book a lot. I think that not everyone needs to read it. I think if you just read it cold without knowing anything about it, it, it loses it loses a lot without context. And most people aren't going to like do research about a book before they read it because I I don't. If I just pick up a yeah. book. Like, oh, you know, I really love, uh, uh, you know, the novelization of Twins, but why did they write this? What was going on in America? (laughs) Ah, it was against uh, the backdrop of Desert Storm. He's like, oh, okay. But, you know, without context, this book loses a lot because it's essentially essentially a kind of a, a fuck you. And if you don't know what he's saying, fuck you too, and it just it's seems kind ass. of petulant. It's an ass, yeah. So, I don't know. The book is polemic. It's almost polemical. It is very... I don't know what polemical means. It means it's, it's a controversial topic. It takes a stance on a very uh, controversial okay. topic. And often a pretty hot... It's like a hot take. Okay. Of back, back in the very day, strong hot Very opi- strongly opinioned hot take. Okay. There are no weak opinion hot takes. No one's ever like, I think tater tots are okay. <laughs> <laughs> hot takes are always really strong. They're always like, let me tell you why ta- the Nazis invented tater tots. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you guys. It's kind of like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, it, it, it is. It is not. It's not the worst classic we've read. No. But I, I don't, by <laughs> far, it's not. But I don't think it's essential reading. I just think that for like to get it, and I, I feel like. Not that we, I hope we have never presented ourselves as experts on anything on this podcast except for drinking, but not beer, just drinking. Just, yeah. just imbibing to really get this book. I need to do a lot of work. I feel like, you know, I need to know a shitload more about Absolutely. what was happening in the British Empire and what was happening in Ireland for that matter, what was happening in. London. What Victorian was, because we have an idea of it. We just call everyone in a fancy dress Victorian times, even though it was a very specific time. But there's a lot that's hidden to us. It's like Victorian secret, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening then. It's not bad. It's not a bad read for a classic. If you want to read a book from the 1800s, this isn't a bad one to read. Oh, if that's yeah. like important to you for some reason, you know, but you're not anyway. necessarily going to get what its point was either. No, but you can sure read no. it. It is much more. I'm readable. not yes. sure we got what its it point is. was. Its point was fuck also Victorians. 
suck a dick once in a, a while. That's what he was that. saying. Like, just do what you want to do. But also, the point was that there is no point, which is maybe... That sounds very Camus. Yeah, oh, well, it's better than Camus. But I, I think the point was that... His point was that who the fuck cares if there's a point? Art is for its own sake. That's what matters. Did you enjoy this book? Who cares what it meant? Maybe it doesn't mean anything. doesn't have to. Shouldn't. But I feel like there must have been a meaning with the whole, like, tr- you know, transferring his sin onto something else. Like, is there some sort of dis- something, dis- something there to be said about, you know, separating the art from the person who creates the art? Or, sep- you know... Well, he said, he said this one thing in there. What was it? Um, Every portrait that is painted with feeling is a portrait of the artist, not of the sitter. The sitter is merely the accident, the occasion. So you might take something from it, but it really says the more about artist the artist. Put something of themselves into the into the art, and that's really what happens. And it's not about what it's about. It's about the author, not about what happens in the story. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Dorian Gray was hoping to put hoping Basil will put part of himself into him. I think Basil was hoping that. <laughs> I think you guys. I, I see what you're saying. I just. I don't know what to take from that. Say it to me like you're talking to a drunk, grown-up man. <laughs> you can not, get something from it, but it doesn't need it doesn't to have been need there. Need to. I mean, it's it's just basically like it's kind of it's kind of a catch twenty two, where it's like it means this, but it doesn't have to mean anything, and you can take something from it, but art for its own sake should just exist. Did you enjoy it? Yes or that's no. A, that's a very modern take on art. He was kind of, I would say, probably... I mean, I don't know what a postmodernist is because I heard those words a bunch of times, but he was... It was all about... I mean, it was basically just... It's like every punk rock movement where it's just like, whatever's going on, fuck that, we're doing the opposite. But the, the sense is say that this art has meaning... Only has the meaning... That you, the viewer, or you, the you know recipient of the art, you draw from it. Well, That's I think he's saying that it doesn't have take. meaning. It doesn't need to have. It shouldn't have meaning. And therefore, the only meaning is what we put into it ourselves. I, that I don't know. Or the only meaning is whether you enjoyed it or not. If that's the case, then like most modern art is garbage. <laughs> it doesn't have to have a larger moral message. Well, he was saying that influence, uh, there was another thing he wrote in there. Uh, There's no such thing as a good influence, Mr. Gray. All influence is immoral, immoral from a scientific point of view. Why? Because to influence a person is to give him one's own soul. He does not think his natural thoughts or burn with his natural passions. His virtues are not real to him. It was like, you shouldn't be influenced by these things because they're not the things you think. It's, It's hard to, I don't know enough about the philosophy of aesthetics. It's like a whole, you know, you could probably go to college classes on that for like a fucking year and not get it. And I found about, about found out about it in the intro to this book. It's, it's hard. It's complicated. And maybe that's the point is you might, maybe you don't get it. Maybe I, I don't get it. I enjoyed the book. I kind of got a vibe from it. Maybe I'm not supposed to, but I did. I don't know. So, okay. I'm not sure. I'm going to cogitate on this. It's a thinker. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. 
And if you want to support the podcast, head over to, uh, well, first, leave a review or if you're listening, uh, and just round up to five stars. But you could also head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club and support the podcast there with real, real live money. And uh, we appreciate that too. And you can also be our friend on Goodreads and join our discussion group where we can talk about books and other things and be our friends, just like all the good friends in this book. Very good friends. I can't believe I never made that. I was I plan on making a joke this entire week about how when I drink this beer, I have a picture somewhere of my liver that gets older looking. Now it's God in there. Damn it. <laughs> Fucking shit. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening.